0: Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Green, and I am so happy that you joined me today. I am going to be talking about overwhelm. So some people ask me how I pick my topics. I never know what I'm going to be talking about, and I just stay open and listen and wait for inspiration to hit me. And this one became very, very obvious. This is the word I hear so frequently when I ask people how they are or when I ask them what's bothering them. And this week, I started working with a new client, an awesome man, who has a new job. So specifically, his situation is he has a new job, same company, new boss, he inherited new team members, there has been a broader organizational change, people are wondering if their job is safe. People are confused about the work they're doing. He brought his own team over, uh, so he has inherited people, existing people that he brought over with him, and more work than can be done in any given day. So that is the factual situation. His thoughts about the situation, well, they sound like there's too much to do. I'm letting my team down, I'm going to let my boss down, I'm going to fail. That's what he's thinking. So imagine what he's feeling. Well, the feeling that he gave me was overwhelm. And I told him, overwhelm is an umbrella emotion. Because underneath overwhelm are things like worry, guilt, fear, dread, and maybe even shame. And he started laughing. It's like, that about sums it up. I love it when we can laugh when we name our emotions. Like, yeah, wow, I am feeling all those things. So the action that he's taking as a result of these thoughts and emotions is he just keeps saying yes to things because he wants to succeed very badly. He is not telling his boss his concerns because he doesn't want to bother her. He is canceling meetings with his direct reports. And um, this is only just adding to his guilt. So the result is he's literally sick with stress. He's not sleeping well. His team does not feel informed and is therefore increasingly nervous and he has the potential, he feels, to lose some of his best team members. So that's what's happening and what is potentially going to happen. And here's what we all need to remember about overwhelm and our human capacity. The reality is, at least I believe, that we have unlimited potential and limited capacity. And yet we act as if the opposite is true. That we have infinite capacity to take on more and more and more and more. And guess what? We'll never reach our potential that way. So what do we do with our finite capacity is the trick we have to figure out. And if you're not agreeing with me that we have finite capacity, let me just spell it out for you. We have only 24 hours in a day and our bodies need to sleep a third of that. Now, some people get a heck of a lot done during that time, and others of us feel like, what the heck are they doing? So first of all, don't compare yourself to others. Learn from others. I saw this great quote the other day by Teddy Roosevelt that comparison is the thief of joy. You don't know what that person's thinking. You don't know what they're really getting done, but you can probably learn from people. And I am going to share with you some of the tips I give to my clients, and I'm also excited to share some tips from, um, I think, three of my favorite books on the topic. So first of all, how silly is it to feel guilty about having limited capacity? I mean, it's just our human nature. It's like a dog feeling guilty that it can't climb, a tree or it can't fly, or a flower feeling guilty that it can't bloom all year long. So I suggest you drop the guilt and start getting really curious and really strategic about how you spend your time. So as I was speaking to my client this week, I immediately thought of juggling. And I remembered an episode I watched of America's Got Talent with my daughter. And they had a juggler. And I thought, well, this is going to be boring. He's just going to throw balls in the air. It was not boring. This guy almost won the whole show. He was mesmerizing. But guess what? When he started learning, he started with one ball or two balls. And as he was able to progress and gain new neural pathways, he was able to start juggling with many more balls. But guess what? At some point, he didn't have capacity for more balls. It's just humanly impossible to juggle an infinite number of balls. Now, he's not going to apologize for that. He's going to find where his limits are and work within them. And guess what? If he drops one, the show must go on. You don't just stop and cry. So one of the things I ask my client is are any of the balls you're juggling life threatening? Now, he is in the medical profession, so even though <clears throat> excuse me, even though he's in the marketing field, I always like to ask people this question because sometimes for example, in technology, if you drop a ball, it could affect people's lives. But In this case, the answer was very quickly, no. No one is going to die. Um, no one's even going to get hurt if I drop one of these balls. So that was one point of clarity that gave him a little bit of relief. Another thing we do about making ourselves more overwhelmed is that We confuse ourselves with our thoughts and with our language, and we ask ourselves unhelpful questions. Instead of asking, what can I do with my capacity right now, we say things like, why can't I handle this? What's going to happen if I don't do this? I have no idea what to prioritize. I don't know what to do. These are all questions that are going to cause you confusion and pain. So first step is noticing when you are saying dumb, unhelpful things like this. And instead, say things that will help you problem-solve, like questions that begin with the word what, like what is my biggest priority, or questions that begin with how, how much time do I have right now, what's the downside if I miss this deadline, What is my body telling me it needs right now? So, my client had a decent daily planning strategy. It just wasn't working because it had a huge flaw. Every morning, he would have three big must do's that he felt he needed to complete before the end of the day. Well, guess what? With all the chaos and change in his organization, there are far too many things coming at him for him to get three meaty things done a day. So he was feeling guilty at the end of every day. So one of the things he agreed to do was shift to one absolute must-do every day, and then everything else was a might-do. And then he adopted a story that he would create white space in his calendar by doing this, that would allow him to handle urgent and important matters that he could not predict and to give them his full attention at the time. We talked about how to get him back into his span of control and feeling less guilty about things outside his control and less guilty about his inability to meet with his team as often as he wanted to. Because he decided that right now, he didn't have the capacity to meet with every person in his organization even though he wanted to. He wanted to let them know their jobs were safe, and he wanted to let them know about what was going on in the organization to the extent that he knows. So I asked him, how could you do that given the current situation in your capacity? Again, how is a good question starter that got him really thinking. And within seconds, he said, I could write a weekly email, and I could be vulnerable and human in it, because that's something we had been talking about to help people through stressful times. So I asked him, how long would this take? And he said, at most an hour, but I would spread it out and do a few minutes every day. And I could even ask other people to contribute to it. Immediately, he had a plan. And this plan was not going to take a lot of his time. And he sent his first one out the Friday after we talked. The next thing he did was he looked at his schedule and saw that he was meeting with his boss the following day. I sent him Uh, Stephen Covey's famous four-quadrant urgent important grid. He filled it out and he immediately saw where he was wasting time, where he could delegate things, where he could drop things, and what things needed to get done that weren't getting done and what things were just avoidable and had to get done. He felt so much more clear and he showed it to his boss and she loved it and she agreed that he had put everything in the right priority box. And I think she probably felt like this is something that would give her some freedom from her own stress and overwhelm as well. So now his results are he's calmer, he's feeling more in control, he's being more realistic about his time, and he's feeling like he has a realistic strategy. Now he's going to have to work on this every day because the feeling of overwhelm won't just go away. It's going to creep back in. So you have to manage it. You have to manage your thoughts, manage what you say, manage your priorities. And so I'm going to give you some other ways of doing that from some books. Um, One is from this great book called Two Awesome Hours by Josh Davis. It is science-based, very practical stuff. And the premise is if we got two hours, not necessarily consecutive, but if we got two hours of our day where we felt really productive, oh my gosh. That would be a magnificent day. Most of us do not get two hours a day. And then he gives you all these different tips and hacks for how to create an environment where you can get two great hours of work done. One of them is developing the habit of pausing after a task before just flowing into the next task, and he calls it a decision point. This is a pause that you create, and you ask yourself, what would be the best use of my time? now. This works magically. In a moment, I'm going to give you some more tips about how to make that decision about what comes next from a different book. Uh, But right now, I want to talk about the Covey tool that I already talked about. You can just go and Google this. But really knowing what are the priorities? What's important? Does it have a deadline? And if it does, is that deadline hard? What's the cost if you miss it? Asking yourself questions like that instead of saying, oh crap, I have a deadline, I have to do this. Really getting thoughtful about this. Another thing you can do that I've taught in prior podcasts is to say no. We don't always have free will about what's coming at us. In fact, we don't have free will at all. Whether you like it or not, email is going to keep coming. Projects are going to keep coming. You are going to be bombarded with information every day. But what you do have is free won't. You can say no to distractions. You can say no to time wasters. And you can say no to work that isn't urgent or valuable. But how do we prioritize when everything feels like a priority? So one simple thing you can do is instead of making one long to-do list where everything feels weighted the same, make two side-by-side lists. One is your short must-do list. The other on the right is your might-do list. So on the left is high value, on the right is typically lower value. Now one of my favorite books you've heard me talk about is Success Under Stress by Sharon Melnick. If you don't have it, get it. Make sure you get it in um, paperback. Not in Kindle because this is one you're going to want to write in, uh, turn pages over, have the pictures at the ready. But she has a couple of simple models that help us decide what to prioritize. The first one is four M's. The first M is minutes. Asking yourself, how many minutes do I have? So if you combine Josh Davis's decision point, creating that pause, and then asking yourself, how many minutes do I have? I did this yesterday. I looked at my clock. I had seven minutes before my next call. I was actually able to fit in a shower. You never know what you can fit in, but until you assess properly how much time you have. The next one is metrics. Now this requires that you know your goals. You know your business model. You know the priorities. You know what you're going to be measured on. And if it's a priority, but it's not something that your role needs to be working on, Perhaps you need to delegate this. And this is this goes in your personal life as well. Um, I delegate dog walking so that I can actually get a better workout because my dog sniffs every t- 10 feet. And um, he doesn't even like walking on leash. So I delegate that. I have my daughter help me with chores. Um, I have somebody come every two weeks to do my yard cleanup and my house cleanup. So there are so many different ways you can delegate to get Non urgent and non critical things off of your plate. The third M is mojo. What thing, if you did right now, would make you feel great? Either because it's a huge weight lifted off your shoulder, or it's just something that you'll feel so satisfied having done it. So, mojo can be a big task, it can be a little task, only you know what's going to make you feel most empowered. And the last M is misfortune. Which one, if you drop it, is going to blow up? If it's on fire, put it out. Or maybe it would be um, just reputation suicide if you didn't take care of this one. Or maybe you might lose an employee if you didn't have a sit-down with this person. Another thing to look at when you're planning your day is what time do you currently get out of bed? If you wake up past 6 a.m. and you feel rushed, you feel inefficient, you feel like you don't have enough time in the morning to get things done, then you need to wake up earlier. And that doesn't mean get less sleep. That means go to bed earlier. Now, this applies mostly to those people who are not night owls. Night owls do their best thinking at night. Um, The rest of us do our best thinking in the morning. And if we don't capitalize on that time that we have in the morning, we will feel like we are playing catch-up the entire rest of the day. It is going to be critical for you to look at your calendar and see what fluff you have. What time wasters do you have? Now, I've in the past suggested that people track their day by half hour every day and then look back and see where are they wasting time. You can just look at your calendar for the day and look at the meetings that you have scheduled. Are they the right length? Are they the right people? Should you even be there? Should this meeting even be happening? You can have fewer meetings. You can have shorter meetings. You can have standing meetings, which is a proven way to make sure that people don't get too comfy and just decide to settle in. You can set meetings to be 20 minutes long instead of 30 minutes long instead of an hour. Send agendas ahead of time. There's so many things you can do to make meetings more efficient. And you can block off time where you need to focus on your biggest priority. Now, sometimes we cannot avoid interruptions. And again, Sharon Melnick has a nice little way to remember how to deal best with interruptions. So again, this is from Success Under Stress. And her model is just called ACT. ACT. A stands for allow. If you're going to allow an interruption, you need to be fully present, focused, and listening. So you need to be very deliberate about when you allow interruptions. If you cannot focus, don't allow it. The next one is C curtail. How could you avoid the interruption? There's so many ways to do this. You can just tell people that you're not available during the hours of blank and blank. And then you either hide out in a conference room, you turn off your email, you turn off your instant messaging, you turn off your internet, and you just do the thing that you need to do. And the T stands for triage. You can allow somebody in and then be very explicit. Like, I'm not sure if I have the time to deal with this. Let's talk for three minutes. Let me understand the situation, and then if I can help, I'll help right now, and if I can't, we'll schedule time to do it another time. And then stick to that. People will appreciate knowing where you stand, and they will appreciate knowing that you're going to be focused and mindful about the time you spend with them. So one of the last books I want to mention, I just read, and it's called Make Time, and it's by two former Tech inventors that worked in big companies, YouTube, Google. And it's called Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day by Jake Knapp and John Zaratsky. And these guys know how, how technology can waste your time. And they call the biggest time wasters infinity pools. Because once you get in to social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Once you get into the news, once you get into email, you are sucked in and it takes somebody throwing you a lifeline for you to get yourself out because there is no end. These things go on for infinity. So don't rely on willpower to reduce distractions. You need tools. So I've given you some tools in the form of models, uh, agendas to help you manage your day. But to help you manage distractions of your own doing that are sitting there on your desk or on your phone, their website has some great suggestions, and it's the MakeTimeBook.com website. MakeTimeBook.com/tools, and they'll give you a list of tools that you can use to like lock yourself out of social media. One is called Freedom. I love that name. So you're locking your stuff away. So you can't even access it, and you get to tell it when you don't want to be able to access it. Or you can use Stay stay Focused for Google Chrome. You can log out of sites when you're not using them. You can remove apps from your phone that are distracting. These are all tools that we need to use to help ourselves, to support ourselves and our brains that are so easily addicted and distracted by these technologies. So, why are we doing this? Again, just a reminder you have infinite potential and limited capacity. You have to honor your awesome, limited humanness and your easily confused, primitive brain that tells you you should be able to take on more. When you honor your limits, you can be amazing and you can organize your time in a way that is strategic. And realistic and extremely fulfilling. So, I hope you use some of these tips, and by the end of today or tomorrow, whenever you implement them, you feel like you had an awesome day. All right, thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful, brilliant day, and I look forward to you joining me next time. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.